Mayan. Hey, everybody. Hey, Lauren. Hey, everyone. How's it going? It's going well. It's a beautiful Sunday morning. The sun is shining. It's finally starting to feel like spring. How are you? So you don't feel the grumpiness that you felt last week? Oh, the Sunday sads? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's for later in the day. In the beginning of Sunday, I still feel like it's the weekend. <laughs> I totally feel exactly the same way. Yeah. Sunday's a complicated day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how was your weekend? It was really nice. Um, I have a friend from Spain visiting me. I mean, he's not, he's from Spain, but he lives now in Fresno, California, which apparently is like the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And he was here and it was amazing to see him. I hadn't seen him for seven years. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. We went to high school together. <gasps> yep. It was really fantastic. Was it awkward at he's first? beautiful. Not at all. Wow. We're like, I feel like we're very brother sister in a way. Yeah. Like we're just, we fall right back into a friendship. Oh, that's beautiful. Those are the best kinds of. Yeah. Yeah. And then, well, I'll, I'll mention this, but you know, then we went to this place called The Box, which is, um, a very popular nightclub, mm-hmm. um, where you have shows, like cabaret shows. Like burlesque? Which I may have mentioned before. Yes, burlesque. I may have mentioned this actually before on a podcast. Maybe. And the show, which we saw this time, was, you know, breasts everywhere. Oh. And, um, <laughs> like, at the end, there was this, this huge, muscular man who's dancing among the women. Uh-huh. And at the very end, he takes off his trousers and his underpants. And then we see that he's a woman. <gasps> so they do very scandalous things like that. Wait, so you mm-hmm. saw his vajayjay? Correct. Wow, yeah. did that kind of send your feelings topsy-turvy to be like, oh, I was lusting no, after this man? not at all, because he wasn't very lustworthy for me. Ah. But that really sends us, I think, nicely into our conversation, because it was, I mean, the shows there definitely objectify women tremendously. Right. And, yeah, and I have to say that watching it, I've never been very interested in the shows, and seeing the big reveal at the end doesn't do much for me somehow. Huh. I wonder. I feel like I would be very a little I, I, I think I would be a little scandalized, a little a little disturbed, you know, against my better nature. I'd be sort of put ill at ease by that. Just I think just because I'm sort of sheltered in various ways. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know if why exactly I mean it probably it has to do with my history, um, why it doesn't affect me. But I do feel a little bit um, neutral, but also, um, like, blunted. Would you like, call jaded to it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. It's a little sad. Yeah, it is. Well, so, sexual objectification, um, was the topic of this fascinating TED Talk that we both watched. And that was recommended to us by a podcast listener. That's right. Um, he suggested... He also happens to be my husband, but... <laughs> That's a minor detail. Uh, but it was a 
great suggestion. It's so uh, fascinating and I think perfect for us to discuss. Um, it was, it was, and dare I say, we have veered away from this topic many a times, right? Body image, yeah. how we feel about that. We have, it has come up. I'm in the conversation between us a lot, and we've been like, eh. <laughs> we'll deal with that later. Let's talk about kissing yeah. instead. <laughs> because it's it's something that I, I, I can at least speak for myself. I feel some varying layers of hypocrisy or, you know, kind of cognitive dissonance around. So it's it's hard to talk about. Totally. Um, but the, totally. the TED Talk was given by Dr. Caroline Heldman, um, who is chair of the politics department at Occidental College. And she's also a political commentator for MSNBC, Fox Business News, etc. So she really knows her stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and her TED Talk got tremendous views and popularity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, it's on our website, so you guys should definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. It's really short. It's like 12 minutes. Yeah, yeah, and, and but hugely informative. Like, I feel already mm-hmm. like I want my life to be different since watching that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. So some of the things that she communicated were um, why it seems to have increased today is because there's an increase in competition for communication. Right. Like before we were exposed to, I think she said something like 500 ads a day. And now it's just absolutely endless. So you start getting more and more sort of explosive in what you put out there just to be able to get the attention. Right. There's so many more companies you're competing against as a company. You have to be eye-catching. And what's eye-catching? Sex. Right. So what she talks about is that women's bodies, like there are, there's um, like seven ways that you can kind of test if a woman or if a body's being objectified. You want to say what those are? So the first one is, does the image show only parts of a sexualized person's body? And what she means by this is often you'll see ads in which it's a woman's bosom and or her legs, but you don't see her face. So really, I mean, yeah. it's just these body parts. And I see that all the time. American Apparel, for me, is the brand that really comes to mind. There is something about their images that I find so deeply disturbing and I'm sure it's on purpose what they're doing. It's it is the lighting, it's the expression on their faces. It seems pornographic. Yeah, they I mean I think that is the intention. They seem very caught yes. and helpless. Yes, yes. It's like some like prey. Right. And there's something about the low production quality or I don't know what it is, but it's very less like glossy that makes it more hyper sexualized. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very much on purpose, and that's of part of what has been so successful for them, which is shocking. Okay, so on to the next part. So also when you see an ad, ask yourself, does the image present a sexualized person as a stand-in for an object? So the example she used in the TED Talk was there's an ad that had, like, a woman's legs that just kind of end in a tabletop, and then there was a bag, like a, a handbag on top. So Basically, you know, a body part is truly made into an object. Right. It's Um, a table. Right. It's a table. Uh, Number three is, um, does the image show a sexualized person as interchangeable? So there's really no personality or identity and like those Victoria's Secret ads where it's just beautiful woman, beautiful woman, beautiful woman. 
Yeah, but that woman is in different. That same woman is in different positions. Oh, right, right, exactly. right. Like she could be this way, she can be that way. She anyway you want. <laughs> exactly. Um. So yeah. Then the fourth is: Does the image affirm the idea of violating the body integrity of a sexualized person that can't consent? And. I mean, I think you see these in high fashion magazines all the time where there's some woman kind of draped in some almost victim-like way where a man stands threateningly over her or, you know, there's all sorts of... I feel like this one is a little more rare. It's true. The ad that that on the... that accompanied the website was... There's some... I mean, the image I'm looking at is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, you guys should seek it. It's like Duncan Quinn. There's this woman basically being choked by a tie on a car, possibly. The man. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't know how often I've seen that. (laughs) A good long while, if ever. I trust that it happens, though. Yeah. Um, Five, does the image suggest that sexual availability is the defining characteristic of the person? I mean, yes, I see that all the time. And I don't get that one. What is that? Um... Well, the example that they used in this uh, article that accompanied the TED Talk is a, guess guess what, an American apparel ad, and it is a woman with her legs splayed open in such a sexual way, I can't even, I mean, it's, I'm basically staring at her vagina, it's covered Mm -hmm. by a leotard, and the title Mm -hmm. is Now Open. Okay, right, got it. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's just ridiculous. And then, um, does the image show a sexualized person as a commodity, something that can be bought and sold? Um, so. Like, get, like, women beer. Yeah, women beer, like, you know, they've got a picture of some can of soda, I think, uh, of an energy drink sold in New Zealand called Massive Melons, and it's a little cartoon of a lady with giant breasts on the can. (laughs) (laughs) Um... And then finally, does the image treat a sexualized person's body as a canvas? And um, that's the last one that I sort of am the least offended by, just personally. Like, a beautiful woman's naked body, like that famous Pink Floyd album cover where there's, like, that line of women's backs, and there's they're, they're painted. Mm, right. No. It's like a cla- like every guy in college. But it's in the post. Yeah, it's in the post. And I swear to God, when I was in college, like every guy I knew had that poster on their their bedroom wall. Like, yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's so beautiful. The woman's, woman's form is so beautiful. Um, I right. get that it's objectification, but when I see that, I'm more, I don't feel negative. I'm like, oh, that's beautiful. Right. But that's, I think, going back to her talk, that's what the problem is, is that we women partake in that as much as men do that we view we women have been now taught to view our bodies as sexual objects Mm -hmm. as sexual bodies Mm -hmm. that's the function our our body is a sexual body it's not to get us going from a to b it's It's for sexual purpose for someone else's sexual pleasure not our own yeah Exactly. And I thought it was really interesting what she said, like a sign of um, sexual objectification or how you view your body is that you do what she calls habitual monitoring. Oh my gosh, I know. This struck a chord. Yeah. 
on average, every 30 seconds, women are fixing something about their bodies. Right. Thinking about how they look to other people. Yes. And it's, mm-hmm. and you know what really struck me is the fact that another common thing is men are always thinking about sex. You know, men think about sex X times a day. I mm-hmm. thought it was such or, a funny, yeah. well, right. Some women think about sex too. But I think it's such a funny dichotomy of the men are thinking about sex all the time and women are thinking about themselves as a sex object all the time. Right. Totally. How do you feel about that? Do you feel like you do habitual body monitoring like that often even? I think less now that I'm older, Um, but absolutely if I'm walking down the street, if I notice other people, I'm constantly like, oh, you know, does my hair look okay? And right, if I'm sitting in a certain way, I try and make myself look more beautiful and you know i'm trying to pick the right position to sit in or stand it it definitely happens i wouldn't say it's every 36 seconds and certainly not in my like i'm not at work constantly thinking about how i'm looking as i'm hunched over my keyboard Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean i absolutely relate to that how about Mm -hmm. you um totally i um I fight it, though, very actively. Really? How? I mean, how, are you like, now I'm going to make myself look ugly? Um, sometimes. Sometimes I make myself look ugly on purpose. Like, I'll leave knowing that I don't think I look good from the house. And I'll leave on purpose looking that way. Yeah. Or, I mean, one thing that I did was we had this mirror. I mean, this is like a huge belief I have about this topic of body monitoring. Okay. Is that mirrors play a very key role in this like the availability of mirrors even even walking down the street and being able to see a reflection in a window how often we do that so i push myself never to look at myself on a in a reflection on a you know on a street i've done that for like at least eight ten years and i push myself to do that yeah yeah and and i pushed myself to for example we had this mirror in the in the lobby of our building not a lobby <laughs> it's not a lobby <laughs> the door it's like the entrance <laughs> the entrance of our building yeah. had a mirror yeah. and i was so angry that every time i walked in i i actually swerved to look at myself in the mirror like it actually required a bit of a swerve motion and then on my way out i'd be like and how are you doing from back here <laughs> you know <laughs> oh god i know it i took that mirror and put it on the street did you really i did, did anybody i was so compl- upset like, where that mirror go duncan complained <laughs> duncan <laughs> and then another mirror related thing is i hate sitting in the car behind the driver because then i'm always looking at myself in the rear view mirror Interesting. I specifically avoid that seat. That seat. So I think I have a maybe even more tendency to think about it than you, but I fight it constantly. Good for you. Good for you. I mean, I don't know. I think it's great that you do. Um, yeah, I think I'm not as much thinking about it, but it's because I also want to say our our environments are so different. Like, I think if I lived in New York city i would be <laughs> today. um i would be way more body conscious 
way, way, way more body monitoring because it's a city full of incredibly beautiful, successful, fascinating, well-dressed people. And in Ithaca, you can really kind of just slump along and feel pretty darn good about yourself because no one's trying that hard. That's delicious. Well, right. So what she mentioned as well was um, the female competition. <gasps> yes. That's kind of what you're talking about. Right. Which is that you look at other women as how much male attention they're getting. Right. And you think of it as like a cherished, finite resource. Right. Is how she addresses it. Only like one woman, first of all. Right. And so you look at women hoping to, like, envying them because they're, they might be getting more attention than you. Right. And one thing that did. But really, they're being more sexually objectified than you. Right. It's not, it's not like they're winning. But we, but we see it that way. way. And I think that struck a chord as well was when she said, we all know when we get, walk into a room, we know the pretty girl pecking order. Oh my God. Totally. And it's awful because as much as I want to say that I don't, I'm not that aware. My mind instantly does that. And I know my place Mm -hmm. in it and, and I adjust accordingly. Um, and that sucks. I don't, I don't know if guys do that. So how do you feel when you look at those women in the room who are sexy? So I think I'm instantly threatened if there's somebody who's distinctively, like, I'm just like, you know what, they've got me beat. They've got me beat by a mile. Um, I'm threatened. I'm looking for how do I bring something else to the table physically. Like, okay, well, she's got really great breasts, but she's short. And I'm the tall girl, so... You know, I'm going to appeal to those guys who like the tall, lanky girls. And, you know, I don't like those guys that like big breasts anyway, so it's fine. You know, I mean, it's this... So you talk to yourself, talk like make, like pep talk. Right. I'm looking at that girl. I'm looking for personality flaws. I'm looking to make sure that at least I'm wittier than she is. I mean, it's still competition. I'm trying to feel better about myself in some way. And then what does happen, for example... I have a friend who's incredibly gorgeous, and when I first met her, I was just so threatened and, like, looking for flaws, looking for flaws. There were none to be found. (laughs) She's just a great person. And now her beauty is just, like, this – it's this thing I love about her. It's, like, this joke. It's, like, oh, goodness gracious, you're so gorgeous, it's disgusting. Like, you roll out of bed looking like that. You know, it's – once they become a friend, it's no longer threatening. How about you? Right. I feel like you bring up an interesting point about um, the friendship, which I have experienced as well, which is that when someone is a stranger, you can see them as competition, or at least I do. I mean, I'll, I'll talk about that in a sec. But when, like, what I really want, what I really want more than anything is for that person who I admire so much, really, to find me interesting yeah and to find me worthwhile so that this whole idea that we're in a competition so that actually gets erased so that we're not in a competition we're actually in on it together yeah in on this world together so that's where i feel like what you're saying makes so much sense to me then we become friends and then it's almost like her beauty becomes something that's a part of me yes because we're friends i totally i feel the same way i want there's a better part of me that is looking to bond and join forces, you know, but it, right. is, it, is, and a, it is a survival mechanism or it is, it is some kind of 
way of dealing with that jealousy and that competition for me. <clears throat> Which part of it? Becoming Wanting friends? Wanting to become friends. Or... I want this girl, I want to be friends with this girl so I don't feel so threatened anymore. Right. But I, that's for me a little bit of a chicken or the egg question. Right. Because which, like, which came first? Society putting on you that this is like a competition in this way. Mm-hmm. And therefore you're like fighting against what everyone is telling you to feel. Mm-hmm. Like wh- which came first? Oh, right. Like wanting to be friends with this person or feeling competitive with her based on sexuality. Right. Well, either way, I don't know. it's it's inter it's intertangled, and I'm I can't get away from the fact that I will feel competitive. I wonder if, as we get older and our looks fade, um, will that desire fade away as well? To you know, I mean, I and dare I really argue against looks fading? I mean, I strongly don't believe that. I believe that women. And people age and beauty changes and evolves. But I strongly, like my mom, who's 64, I think she's gorgeous. Oh my gosh, she's 64. I would never have thought. I I pegged her at like 50. If that. She's beautiful. She's She's so, like, effortlessly ageless, I think. In a way, I think. I mean, I guess I see her that way because she's my mom and, you know, I love her to pieces. Um, but I see you, I see you looking different than you looked probably when we met in college, but sure. you're beautiful in a whole different way. Like I, I, I mean, and I, I think that in my, or just to be really honest, I think that I get what you're saying, that beauty fades because that's what we're exposed to. So I, that's what I'm, I fight that. Yeah. Not to say that that thought doesn't cross my mind ever, but I sure. fight it we didn't very strongly. Fight. I guess I was trying to hold on to the idea that someday women will just not care about beauty, and when we're all age 60, we're not going to be competing and comparing for male attention, and I think it's probably less present, but I'm sure it's still there in different ways. I think so. I mean, at the end of her TED Talk, guys, she um, took off fake (sighs) eyelashes and took off her makeup. Oh, my goodness. That made me cry. What, you really loved it? Really? I I got all hot eyes about it i was like oh, what me. what about it made you cry well something about just like stripping down and being like i want you you know she was kind of saying and i want you to think about a world where you don't spend hours and you know it just gives me chills it, it was a small yeah. gesture but it gave me chills and i got yeah sure you know it you. impacted me as well no, it impacted yeah. me. I don't think it made me cry, yeah, but it impacted yeah. me. She said that on average women spend, the thing is, I don't totally identify with that. She said that on average women spend an hour a day putting on makeup and getting ready. And I really don't. I don't think you no. do. No, 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 no. So I guess I was more curious because her symbol, like her act was taking off her makeup, but that's not really where my you know, my obsessive sexual objectification of myself happens. It's not in makeup. Chop her hair off and, like, take off Shave it on stage. (laughs) I was like, okay, and the next step is, because you're still a beautiful blonde woman, so... That's exactly what I thought. I was like, and now... Like, something that, you know, I taking off makeup, I just don't do that much to where I feel that that's what makes me so pretty. I think other things... I, I, I... focus on other things so 
how do I, but I want to answer a question. How do I feel when I look at other women who are sexy? I think I feel, um, I think maybe my whole attitude of this is so much fighting it. Mm -hmm. So I try to make myself uglier. Oh my gosh. I try and look at myself less in the mirror, even less. I try to worry less about how I look because I'm like fighting, fighting to not enter into something which i see i see it you know i see the the sort of trigger wow and i fight it that's awesome i don't know if it's awesome right like is it any better than somebody who preens and tries to make themselves look perfect or right i mean it's just a different way of coping with the same it's feeling. a different <clears throat> yeah so so another lesson that she um mentioned was how much time you spend focusing on this is so much time taken away from oh. writing articles sure. and discovering things and you know, enjoying yeah, yeah kicking ass in the world which i think is that i'm like fucking identify with a to z really? like i told yes do you feel that you lose time in your life that could be spent doing better things from preening completely not because of preening but oh, it, that's but the, the thing i don't think it's so much i think it's about the like the mind yeah just the thoughts that are so, devoted yeah so i think that goes into like you know which i really want to talk about is our um do you sexually objectify your body which we haven't really right talked about yeah so like what I've really started to kind of explore, and this is really kind of very personal, okay. which is that I don't associate myself so much as a woman. More, I associate myself as like younger, almost more girly, like l- less shape, less less womanliness and i find the womanliness very threatening interesting even though i think it's beautiful you know out there but for myself i find that the most like almost a way of staying away from sexually objectifying is to be less curvy less womanly to stay more in a childhood state that almost sounds anorexia-ish. I mean, sure. Not to. Oh, it's fine. Over but that's probably. Said, but I think that that is that's that whole other side of society's pressures is this idea, the ideal of the uber thin, almost boy-like body. I mean, that's another yeah. sexualized form. It, there's mm-hmm. the there's the curvy hourglass bosoms out to here look and then i think Mm -hmm. the only other option for women is thin 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 long-limbed small chest almost a prepubescent Mm -hmm. which i think you know let's say that naturally i have small breasts and i'm slim right so there's like a tendency you know i i'm maybe i'm already in that department just by my genetics right but and no, I don't have anorexia, you know, thank God. Yeah, thank God. Um, but but that doesn't mean that I don't that I'm don't have thoughts of um 
like appreciating my small boobs because they're not so out there. Like that's something something I like about my small breasts that they're not so sexual. Wow. Right. But is and what? Right. Like well, I'm, I guess I'm just kind of thinking along with you. Like, is that another form of sexually objectifying your body, or is that fighting against? I don't know. I know that when men look at my body as if it's sexy, I feel very uncomfortable. I don't like it. Really? And when men have told me, yeah, when men have told me, you know, in the bedroom, um, just like looking at me, you're so sexy. I feel like, great, let's move on. (laughs) Moving on. Interesting. I feel very uncomfortable with being thought of that way. How do you want men to look at you? I want them not to look at me. I want them to look into my eyes. Just my eyes. I don't, like, whenever I see, like, a guy looking at my breasts, I'm like, ugh. Like, I just don't, I feel very uncomfortable. It's something that I feel, you know, definitely speaks to, like, issues I have with feeling like an object. Right. I think I'm actually quite sensitive to feeling like an object. Right. Hypersensitive. Right. It sounds like it. And I feel like there's probably so many women that are same as you, you know, and but then equally as many who love being looked at in that way. I like to be looked at as pretty mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and beautiful, but not sexy, <laughs> <laughs> which is somehow different. Yeah. Oh, it's very different. Very different. For sure. I remember my first boyfriend, he was, like, categorizing my looks, which at the time I found charming, and now I'm sort of like, what the? But (laughs) (gasps) he was like, you're not, you're not pretty. You're not sexy. You're beautiful. And I was like, oh, (laughs) thank you. What the fuck does that mean? You know, it's (laughs) like, that was his label for me. Um. And that's so sad how you just said that, right? That was his label for right. you. Right. Like, oh, he was all about pigeonholing me into some ideal he had. Um, but, Sounds right. fantastic. Yeah, great. <laughs> I think I'd say that I don't, for me, I don't think men really look at me in a super lustful way because I don't have, my body is not in that super skinny prepubescent world and it's not in that super bosomy hourglass world it is like this weird half breed between the two and so well i feel similarly actually oh because i have very curvaceous hips you know i feel that i have that but really have it and you just think you have it and you actually have a model body so whoa (laughs) that's so scary yeah yeah i mean you know our perceptions of our bodies are always a little off kilter, but I would really say like, I have very curvaceous thighs. I have, you know, a curvaceous lower body that is like in some ways saved by the fact that I have very long legs. So it's kind of all like, eh, it all kind of works, but you know, I'm very, very thin on top in every way. And so I feel just most of the time very off balance. And I, I do not think I get stared at in the way that women complain about getting stared at and so I to me it's like this it's almost like this exotic foreign thing that would be so cool if it happened but that's crazy you think it would be cool yeah like people there's so much discussion 
right now about catcalling, like, um, we posted that video of a woman who was doing street harassment to men, kind of. Yeah, that's in the post as well. Yeah, and I watched that and found it amusing, but I cannot relate. I've never been catcalled. I have never been street harassed to the point where I almost wish it happened because there is some sick part of me that feels like I'm not valid as a woman because I'm not getting that attention. And that's what the TED Talk is about. Exactly. I mean, I have been catcalled and all that so often. I think mostly because of living in South America. Right. It's so common. Right. And then I think that being here, which I may have mentioned before on a podcast, but the men, like the culture... The, the the men the cultural men who do that I think like Latin Americans, really yeah. They see me as Latin here, so they sure. do the they take the privilege of doing that. They take the liberty of doing that with me here. Cause they are like she's one of us. She knows. Yep. Interesting. Yep. yep. Like it doesn't matter in delis the cooks how they treat me. They treat me with much more disrespect than they treat a white girl. Wow. Because they know that I can handle it. I think that's what they think. Because I know that world. And how I think. can you handle it? Do you feel some kind of... Like, eh, that's how they are. I, I do. I think I do go into that's how they are. Because I've experienced that so much. Culturally, I think. That's actually more cultural and less about how I look. It's weird. I almost get this little pang of envy. What's wrong with me? I never get that kind I mean, of treatment. <laughs> that's what the TED Talk is about, right? We we envy, we want to be like that's what we're where we want to be sexually objectified. Yeah, I want to get catcalled. I want to get hit on. I haven't been hit on in a friggin' dog's age. right so what she said was when others are valued for being sex objects we feel badly about ourselves yeah right so that's what's that's what you're feeling i must not be pretty or sexy enough to get that attention and as we all know a woman's value is only found through her appeal in a man's eyes so right i mean that's what um, you say that tongue-in-cheek in in case anyone's confused <laughs> but but was there a time like how can you change what 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 no go on no i, I guess i want to know like you feel that but you know based on this ted talk you know that made you cry and clearly you felt a lot about it mm-hmm. like do you want that to change because it seems you know she had this amazing example of this girl who's 14 years old and got 17 magazine through change.org to stop um, photoshopping photoshopping their models. Amazing. And that's, you know, a kid. Yeah. And, and it does start, like, it won't, this won't change unless we change. Right. And I think that message, that part of the message for me is really strong. You know. And that's where I feel like Gossipist has to get on this mm. as well. And we are getting on it. Like, we're going to, on this post, you'll see that we've selected all sorts of posts and rant rave tips where we objectified ourselves, mm-hmm. and, or we think or we did. We'd like to hear your thoughts on it. As <clears throat> things to be fixed, 
focusing on our mm-hmm. bodies as projects, as this woman, Caroline Heldman, said, men see their bodies as tools, women see their bodies as projects to be worked on. And we fall right. into that trap at Gossip as we do, you know, because it, it's so part of being a woman. And we're being honest, you know, we value honesty, mm-hmm. so we're honestly showing that weakness. But I think it's important for us to show the flip side of that as much as we can. So I guess, yeah, I think that's something we need to do as a company. But I also want to maintain honesty. So I want to know what people think. How do we balance striving for the ideal of not viewing our bodies as projects, but also being realistic about our struggles? How do we do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let us know. I'm so curious to hear what people think on this. Right. And then when was the time, Lauren, in your life when you felt that you were doing the least body monitoring? You know, that is such a great question because it, there's a time that stands out. It stood out so clearly because it's one of those things where you don't realize you're doing it all the time until it stops. And that happened for me when I became a mom and during the first early months. That is such an all-consuming world that you enter into. All you're thinking about is, how can I get my baby to nurse? How can I get enough sleep? How can I make sure my baby doesn't die? Like, these are the the main things that are, like, mm. coursing through your mind during, I would say, the <laughs> first three to six months. You're just, that is your obsession. And I remember just going out in the world, wearing the most comfortable clothes, the ones that I could, like, easily breastfeed in that fit my, like, post-pregnancy weird body, and just not giving a flying fuck. Not giving 1% of a fuck of how I was viewed by men. I was a mother. All that mattered was the baby. And zero fucks did I give about my body as a sexual object. So that was mm-hmm. profound. And it's, I almost missed it. <clears throat> I almost miss it because I've, I, you know, my son is now two years old and I am back to where I was before, you know? I'm, I'm, you know, he's not nursing anymore. He's alive. It's all going okay. And now I rem, I, like I said, I miss getting hit on. I want, you know, male approval, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So what about, yeah. what about you though? Have you ever experienced that? Yeah, I think it's kind of a scary answer, which is before I hit like real pubic, like before I was probably 16 or 17 is probably when I was doing the least body monitoring. It was when I was like, super tall, super, like, just, like, my body was just, I didn't even know that I had a body. Wow. Because I just didn't even know I had a body. That wasn't, and then I remember starting to get hips. (laughs) Like, I remember distinctly how, like, all of a sudden my clothes didn't fit. And that was when I was like 16, 17. Wow. And I was like, oh, I, the hips. Huh. And, you know, I was really grateful that my breasts stayed small because I didn't really care about them. <gasps> like it was kind of, it was nice for that to not be a thought. And I remember feeling really inadequate to deal with becoming a woman. Mm. And I think that that's still something that I struggle with because I, admire so much in other women like in other women I 
like them to look very womanly. Mm-hmm. Like I like shapely and you know comfortable, cozy, like plush, yeah, plush bodies. You know, I don't. I d- yes, I don't really admire the the slimness. What I think for myself is it's not about being slim. It's about not having a body. Oh, wow. Like, that's where I think that the monitoring comes into play. Where, for me, like, woman feels like your body takes up more space and therefore you're more aware of it. Right. But the less you're aware of it, (laughs) like, somehow the less it, the less space it takes up. And I think that's sort of my, um, very disturbing perspective. Oh, it's, I wouldn't label it as disturbing, but it's, it's very telling. It's like you, do you kind of want to just disappear or not be noticed? In some ways, in some ways, I think, I like to think of myself with a head. Yeah, floating. You know, I know, just <laughs> floating. <laughs> oh, that's fascinating. It's fascinating. And I mean, I, I definitely work on it. You know, I definitely, and I definitely have moments. It really changes a lot. Sure. So do you yeah. have any pieces of recommendation for people who want to work? Yeah. Well, what she said in the TED Talk was, and I really think this is totally valid. She said, stop looking. And I would say, stop buying. Stop buying fashion. I feel like stopping to buy fashion magazines is much easier than stopping to look at fashion magazines. Yeah, I mean, I don't buy any. Me either. But I remember Duncan gave me a subscription to Us Weekly oh, a few years ago. Pleasure. Yeah, exactly. And I loved it. But I also felt like shit after I read it. And so now, you know, whenever I can get my hands on one, because it happens to be around someone's house, whatever, yeah. I it's really wonderful if awful, you know, pleasure, because I do end up feeling shit about myself, mm-hmm. but I don't purchase it anymore. So she said, stop looking at fashion magazines. Mm-hmm. She said, don't, which I think is really, that's not really doable, but she said, don't admire other girls who get more sex attention. Yeah. That's not something you can just Turn stop off. doing. I think there has to be something deeper and I'd love to hear if people have advice yeah. on that. Um, and I think the, for me, the biggest thing that she said, which was actually helpful was, View your body as a tool to master the environment, as amazing vehicles for moving through the world, and not as sexual bodies. Yeah. That, to me, is really good. That is huge. That is huge. And I've had little glimpses of that, you know, especially when I, if I, on the odd moments, I happen to be exercising, which is very rare, which is a whole other topic for a whole other day, but there's something very empowering about exercising when you view your body as this incredible tool versus I am, oh my God, my thighs are going to be so much thinner once I run around, you know, once I get in shape. Oh, absolutely. So absolutely. I think exercising with that goal in mind of making your body as effective a tool as possible. Yeah. A great way to And it really, yeah. And you know, this is actually what it really reminds me of is a friend of mine who did CrossFit Mm. because there you're like going back to the Paleolithic era where you're lifting stuff like you're you lift really heavy things you you like lift really heavy things you run certain distances and it's all about building this tremendous almost like herculean (sighs) strength (laughs) and her body changed so much she was so buff and beautiful and i remember she said something like 
I just feel amazing because I've never been so strong. And I eat so much just to to like nourish this body that's now so strong. And I thought that was a really hands-on, awesome way of viewing the body. Yeah. Which remains with me to this day. Yeah. I would like to start doing something like that. Yeah, I bet you'd love it. And and I also urge everyone to listen to this week's Challenge Accepted, where Ashley and I um, take a blind walk, which it doesn't directly link to sexual objectification, but in some ways it does to me because of what I talked about, the mirrors. Mm-hmm. You're just not getting a visual feedback of your appearance as you're mm-hmm. walking around blind. And mm-hmm. you're not seeing other people's evaluation of you. I mean, let's be real, exactly. the male gaze is such a all-powerful force in a woman's life. Oh, he's looking at me. Oh, he did a double take. Take that out of the equation. What is your daily life like? Mm-hmm. So we're going to try that out and let you guys know our experience. I can't wait to hear it. Cool. So do you have a rant right tip? I do. I have a little rant. Um... after all this positivity we need to bring a little snark back in Um, which is and i posted on my personal facebook page about this but i figured i would bring it to uh p talk which is i'm a little bit all set with gritty tv (laughs) that's so interesting i'm just all set and i i feel like there's this sort of all powerful pressure to be really into these gritty shows like Breaking Bad and I was complaining about House of Cards on on Facebook and The Wire and um, these different shows that are critically acclaimed and everyone basically is like yes these are great great shows I don't want to argue with that but I'm tired of feeling the pressure of having to really like it and follow it because I just realized I am not the emotional type to really go after it. And yet that's all everyone's talking about. You know, that's so interesting because I was just having a conversation with someone about this, about how, like, what happened to the carefree James Bond that's so tongue-in-cheek, you know, the Pierce Brosnan and before, that how the James Bonds after him have been so gritty. Let's get real. Let's get, you know. Yeah, so serious. And the same thing with other superheroes and he thought that it was all related to 9-11 and how i know i was like where did you come up with that idea but i'm still interested no but just interesting like i mean it has to come from somewhere i want to i don't know where his idea that theory i'm interested in that me too i wonder how much it's developed but that i thought was interesting just that the world is now more Let's get real. Let's get raw. The world is a bad place. Let's get dark. The Dark Knight. How um, all the you know all the Batman. How that how deep that went into that. Right compared to the like 1960s Batman. Mm-hmm. Pow, zing. You know. They're- <laughs> <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. So I thought that was beautiful. That's kind well. of. It does. So that's my rant. I'm a little bit tired. I'm I'm tired. I mean, I'm coming around to House of Cards. I was. I watched one episode that was just so boring that I was like, I'm done. And then Jake has since watched a few and I've like come in the room and been like, all right, I am interested in what's going on. But 
I'm a little tired of these icy cold, just amoral characters. Just a little tired. So that's my rant. Oh, very cool. <laughs> I get <Yeah>. it. <laughs> okay. How about you? Yeah, and I have a tip rave, which is Ravi Shankar. It's just a gorgeous, gorgeous Pandora station. What's that? And I don't even know what his music sounds like. Is it like in like? Indian? It's like very Indian sitar. It is so gorgeous, and I think I don't know. I could be wrong, but I think he's Nora Jones' dad. I, yeah, I believe That's right. that is yep. true. I hope to yeah. God. What a family! Oh yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, if you think so too, I just heard it yesterday. So yeah, so he's just so beautiful. Like it really sets a mood of. Oh of positivity and hope and peace and love. And I know that sounds so hippie, but it just does it. So I'm going to put that on my that's Pandora, a Pandora station. station right now and listen to it while I make breakfast. I love I it. <laughs> I better feel peaceful. And hold <laughs> Hilarious. Okay. So everybody, that's our show. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash gossipist. Send us an email with any of your thoughts, <clears throat> questions, suggestions for future shows at hello at gossipistmag.com. We're on Twitter. Our handle is gossipistmag, hashtag pillow talk. And if you have some time, really not long, go on iTunes. <laughs> Write a review. Rate us. It helps people find the show which is just spreading like wildfire. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks so much for listening and looking forward to interacting with you all during the week. Can't wait. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Lauren. Bye. Bye. <laughs>